Now, our sermon today is enough when dreams become nightmares. And we're looking at 1 Timothy, the sixth chapter. And so hear these words uh, from Paul to us today. Teach these things, Timothy, and encourage everyone to obey them. True godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We live in a time when many voices are saying enough is enough is enough from politics to the stock market, to the churches as well. But what is enough? What is enough for us today? What is enough in this season for us as Christians to respond to God's call and blessings in our lives? Some people think that the American dream is enough. It's so alluring, and yet the path has led many people to ruin. But what is this American dream, and why does it become a nightmare? One author has stated it this way. For most people, the American dream has to do with a desire for achieving success and satisfying the desire for material possessions. It's the opportunity to pursue more than what we have, to gain more than what we have, and to meet success. We tend to measure our success by the stuff that we possess. Smart author. And I thought about this. The more stuff we acquire, the more we worry about the stuff. The more room needed to store the stuff, the more security needed to protect the stuff, the more insurance needed to replace the stuff, and the more power needed to convince the insurance company to pay for the lost stuff. My dad used to say, you'll never see a U-Haul behind a hearse, and I think he's quoted many people for that. But this is the stuff of nightmares. It begins to take hold in our lives. Now, achieving success is not a bad dream. Many of us want to be successful in what we do. It's the path that we take to achieve that success that says more about us than the success itself. If we're motivated for success by the love of money, Paul says, then we fall into all kinds of temptations. Now remember, it's the love of money. But the love of money and things money can buy is a primary uh, motive behind most of Americans' actions and what we do. We want to consume and acquire and buy our way to happiness. 
And being Americans, we want it now. Maybe we say we're pursuing happiness, not wealth. But in our spirits, we've chosen wealth as the path to happiness. More money allows us to buy more things that we want in order to impress the people that don't care about us. And then in many ways, we think it will bring us happiness. Have you ever heard of the term planned obsolescence? I know you have. Basically, things that are designed to be useless or seen as old or out of date before those things are actually non-usable or out of date. Just think of the clothes we wear. Hems are long one year, short the next. Ties are wide one year, narrow the next. I worked in, a, in Dallas, First United Methodist Church in Dallas, Texas for a while, and I was sitting with, at lunch one day with the youth director. She was a wonderful young lady, and it happened to be one of those 103 days in the shade uh, degrees in Dallas, Texas. And we were eating lunch, and I said, I'd like to know who invented uh, the necktie because it's so tight. She said, I know exactly who did it. And I said, who? She said it was the wife of the man that invented pantyhose. <laughs> well, it shows us how things change and the challenges we have in our lives. Who determines what's the proper fashion? And do we, do we need that as Christians? Do we really need to worry about that, that that provides value in our lives? But some things just seem to be built to break. It's easy in America to fall into this temptation, and I have to tell a story on myself. Have you ever had buyer's remorse? Do you know what buyer's remorse is? Well, I'm telling a story on myself. Uh, it's the regret one has after a purchase. I once bought this pricey, beautiful muscle car. I mean to tell you, it was much more than I needed and so much more money than I had, but I could buy it on credit. And besides that, I looked so good sitting in that bucket seat, that rich Corinthian leather. Sandra can attest to this. She wasn't there, or she'd have said no. <laughs> but I didn't listen. I bought this muscle car. And I was so proud. And the salesman made me feel like a king. You know how that was. I drove it off the lot. 20 minutes later, before I even got home, a deer jumped in front of that muscle car and ruined the front end. It was smashed. The deer ran off. I didn't even get venison that night. <laughs> the car spent the next month in the shop while they got parts, while they fixed the parts, while the insurance approved the parts, while they painted it. When I got that car, I had the worst case of buyer's remorse. I didn't even want the car anymore. <laughs> buyer's remorse. It's one of those things that gets to our spirits as we live our lives together. And it becomes where the dream of my having a muscle car became one of my worst nightmares. And I'll never forget that as long as I live. Many leaders tell us that the American nightmare is fueled by two distinct phenomena. The first is called affluenza. Have you heard that term? <laughs> affluenza. Not, not uh, the flu, but it's very much like it. Affluenza. It's the constant need for more and bigger and better stuff as well as the effect that it has uh, on us. 
It's the desire to acquire. And most of us have been infected by this virus to some degree. It makes us think that what we have is not enough. It creates a fever that can only be quenched by acquiring bigger and better things. Just to think about this for a minute, one of the biggest growing industries and businesses in America is storage facilities. Any storage facilities near where you live? Well, they're all over where I live. And people actually rent those and store things that they don't have room in their empty basement anymore that's full of things as well. And they put those storage in. I actually had a man in the last church I served that owned a lot of those. And he got a lot of wonderful things from people that couldn't afford to pay the uh, uh, price for this rental for the storage facility anymore, which was kind of sad. But um, some of his stories were crazy as to what people actually store in those things. That is affluenza, and it's very prevalent in our world, especially in the United States today. The second phenomenon is called credititis. Have you heard of that? Credititis. It's the temptation to buy now and pay later, and it feeds on our desire for instant gratification. If you've uh, ever had to parent a child, you realize they want something, they want it now, and they have to learn to be patient. And some of us, as we grow up, we still want what we want, and we want it now. Now, one of the drawbacks of ordering things online is you have to wait for it, but they do the best they can to get it to you the next day. Matter of fact, you can pay more and get it the next day. And then uh, what's sad is when it doesn't fit, and you have to send it back and wait for them to send you another thing. So uh, people my age want to still go to the store, try it on, look at it, touch it, and walk out like that. Credit. Itis. It's exploited our lack of self-discipline, and it's allowed us to feed our affluenza, wreaking havoc with not only our personal finances, but our national finances as well. The average credit card debt today is nearly $17,000, and many Americans are living way beyond their means and can't even afford to pay anything other than the interest on these credit cards. The average car loan and the home mortgage has gone up in America while American savings rates have gone down. We Christians are not immune to affluenza and credititis. We're tempted like everyone else. I remember, for example, the church I was serving that said, we need to allow our people to have easier ways to give their tithes and their offerings. So we're going to offer uh, online where they can use their credit card to do that. Well, I thought it was a great idea because it's, it's simpler for the younger crowd. But here's what the older crowd said to me. Are you actually influencing our members to be in debt to use their credit card to pay God? Well, that was a good question. Uh, some people don't do well with credit. They want to be able to pay their tithe. They put it on the credit card. Next thing they know, they have $17,000 in debt, and they can't pay it off. But we went ahead and passed it and allowed for that to happen. The other point was, you know, when you do that, 2.7 or 2.8% of what they're doing is going to the credit card company, not to God. But we try to find ways to allow everyone to be able to do, to do uh, 
what they do best in their finances. So the warning was we started having classes in financial management in the church and allowing folks to learn how to manage properly their finances and how to give God what is God's. It all belongs to God, and we give God what is God's. Sandra often reminds me that financial problems really are spiritual problems. And when you boil it all down, that's really true for faithful people. There's a spiritual issue behind credititis and affluenza. You see, we're created to desire God and to worship God, not things. But we've turned that desire toward loving and worshiping our possessions. We are meant to find our security in God, but we find it in amassing wealth. We were meant to love people, but instead we compete with people and sometimes make our wealth off the backs of those who were less fortunate. We were meant to enjoy the simple pleasures of life that God has given us, but we busy ourselves pursuing money and the things that we think will buy us happiness. We were meant to be generous and to share with those in need, but we selfishly hoard our resources for ourselves. Sandra also taught me that there's a theology, a theology of scarcity that has infected the church and Christians. Everything's too scarce. Resources are scarce. We don't have the money. It's scarce. What's going to happen in the world? It's, it's scarcity. And we begin to think that God's not able. What she said is we all as Christians need to live the theology of abundance. No one can outgive God. No one has more than God. God gives us abundant life, and we need to honor God with abundance, not with scarcity or what is left, to trust God in all that we do. When we do this, Jesus works in us to make this happen in our lives. We, in a sense, we receive a higher calling, a calling to simplicity and faithfulness and generosity in our living. We begin to look at ways that we can make a difference with our time and our talents and our resources by pursuing good financial practice. We free ourselves from debt and the slavery to debt and things so that we're able to be in mission to the world. It's fitting on this World Communion Sunday when we celebrate the Lord's Supper with Christians all over the world that we look deeply into our own spirits, into our own affluenza, and into our credititis, and look greater into the, into the greater world for the love that God has for each of us. I purposely used American in the sermon today because affluenza and credititis are what many of us call first world problems. Most of our brothers and sisters throughout the world are just trying to find food and sustenance for, to survive another day. They really have no uh, concept of what it means to be affluent. And yet, in my travels, I've witnessed some of the most vibrant faith in these children of God that have the least material things in life. They rely solely on God each day for the day's needs, and they're grateful. They could teach us so much 
about how we should live in God's world today. When they celebrate Holy Communion, all are invited to the table, whether they speak their language, whether they look like them, uh, their culture. They're in the church, and they're welcome to God's table. All are loved just for who they are, not for what they can give, not for what they can bring, not for the resources they have, but because they are a child of God. There's always enough at the Lord's table. So let me finish with this, because I always ask these questions. When is enough enough? I look in the mirror and I ask myself that, and I hope we do that as well. When, when is enough enough? Well, hear this. I think it will be enough when we love the world as Jesus loves the world and when we strive for economic justice for all God's children. It will be enough when we share our resources with anyone who's in need and when we choose to practice contentment and generosity in our own life. As faithful children of God, just who are we trying to impress? To whom do we owe our praise and gratitude? To Jesus Christ. I thought about this table. And I thought about how my mother used to bring all the children from uh, the neighborhood over to play. And I thought, what, what a wonderful host she is. Well, she was just really keeping her eye on us. <laughs> she always knew where I was if they came to, well, it got to be dinner time. She didn't mind that our neighbor children were there playing with me. She would open the door because we'd be outside playing. She'd open the door and she'd say, time for supper. Wash your hands and come to the table. Didn't matter if, if uh, they were her child or not. And I love the way mother would do that. When I think of Jesus's table, I picture Jesus saying, hey, time for supper. Wash your hands. Be clean. Ask God to clean us and come to the table. All of you, each of you, every one of you, those beyond this place, those all over the world celebrating Holy Communion today, Jesus invites us to his table. So what is enough? God is enough. Jesus is enough. The Holy Spirit is enough. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Change our hearts, O oh God. Wash us clean. Heal our desires. Help us to hold our possessions loosely. Help us to love you. Teach us simplicity. Teach us generosity. And help us to have joy. For we offer our lives to you in Jesus' holy name. Amen.